Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by CLNS Media. We're back. The show is back. Dieter Kurtenbach is here. Uh, Dieter, uh, this is the first podcast since my wedding, uh, which you attended. Had a I pretty just, good time, I would think. I just I mean, got over the hangover. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was. it was funny. I was like cleaning up my apartment yesterday. And I, was, I figured that like we had f- totally finally cleaned up from uh-huh. everything. Uh, uh-huh. So... F- what ended up happening after our wedding, we had to be out of our venue by 10. So, right. and this is just advice for other people who are getting married. Wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, do not have your after party for your wedding at your house, apartment, whatever. Because while it will be incredibly fun and you don't have to worry about like clearing out of it at any point or anything like that, the cleanup job for an after par- party for a wedding it's it literally takes the entire next day and oh, yeah you will find things that are still dirty like yesterday we found like balloons hanging up and i like tried to you know pop open the balloon very slyly so that the whatchamacallit the um like the air would just kind of seep out right right and i accidentally did it just a little bit too much and i found that in this balloon were a oh, bunch no. of was like glitter and all of this shit Jesus christ so glitter, ex- like these like glittery dot things exploded in my face. And I was like, that is the wedding gift that keeps on giving. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I did not. I did not purchase or place those balloons. For the no, record. you did not. I know who purchased and placed them. Um, and I what a come up, come up and says coming down the line. What a decision to put those little fucking sparkly dots in those balloons. It was a disaster. Surprise. But was, yeah, but it was a good time. The wedding was great. Uh, it was fun. Uh, uh, you know, I got married to Laura, which is exciting. Mark Titus and I went on a 59-0 cornhole run at one point. It was legendary. Which, I caught the beginning. I caught the end. I thought that there was some point when you guys had lost uh, lost uh, control of the cornhole uh, field. And instead, I found out that you just didn't lose at all under any circumstances. It was no. Um, we, we chose to just, like, give up the board at a certain yeah. point. We were just like, okay, this is this is not going to end well. Um, Domination. I don't know. I mean, like, it was, it was a fun day. Was, you and Heather came down. Uh, you and Heather were among the last people, if not the last people, at our apartment. Yep. So you, you were, uh, it, was, it was a good time. That's uh, that's how Heather rolls. Heather is um, always going to overstay the welcome. <laughs> no, uh, having said that. Because Laura had never met Heather before. Now that oh, Laura yeah. has met Heather, she's like all in on like going to your wedding. So oh, yeah, yeah, like we're we're very. That's a that's, a, that's a big win for the Vecini's wallets. Yeah, I don't really care. It's fine. It's good. To okay. Come. <laughs> um. So yeah, no, the wedding uh, was great, and now we're back to podcasting about basketball and I don't know the important issues of the day. Whatever, whatever kind of happens, like whatever comes up on this podcast too many random yeah. things come up because Dieter covers you know every single sport known we t- to we man we talked for 22 minutes before we even started recording about you know the real intricacies of Kyle Shanahan's play action offense yeah and like I always can just go off on these tangents because I watch everything like from movies to tv to like sports yeah. I watch basically everything so you're like, a consumer of the visual arts yeah, and I mean, I'm now I'm now up to after the honeymoon and after this like little break that I took, 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm up you to got a, some movies in, baby. 124 movies I've seen so yeah. far this year. Holy shit. Including 57 2019 releases. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm just rolling right along, you know? That's, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think how many movies I've seen. I saw Good Boys because I had a weird three-hour gap in the afternoon between uh, going into the office in San Jose and a Niners game. I've not seen Good Boys. Is it good? It's fine. I'm not gonna not say. I'm not gonna say you shouldn't see it. I'm also not gonna recommend it. It's one of those things that like I wasn't super super interested in. No, either was I. But again, when you're just hanging out in Milpitas, like yeah. you have so many options, and I go, well, fuck it, let's just let's just roll. I haven't seen a movie in a bit, and let's go see a movie. And that was honestly the only the only decent thing out at the moment. And um, I walked out going, I don't feel like I got ripped off there. Well, that's good. Yeah, like. AMC A-List or whatever, is it's just like a killer. I've seen, I think, 27 movies in the last 12 months yeah, or something that, like that. You have that AMC theater near you. Mine is like a 20-minute drive. It just doesn't work. And I have another movie theater that's you know three blocks from my house. Yeah, ours is literally what? It's like genuinely walking distance if we wanted it to be. Oh, easy. Yeah, easy. So Jeez, it, yeah. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, you're getting, you're getting that working. And we have like a second one, like at City Walk, and City Walk's only... 10 minutes from where I live. Like I live like right in that like That's perfect true. area of Hollywood. You got the gap. Yeah. Um, what do you take to get to city walk? Do you just take a, a, a surface street over the hills or, Oh, well, you know, I take the one Oh one up to the, uh, what is it? I don't even know. Lancashire or whatever. I, Fucking yeah. Blue I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Cut over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I just love making LA people say, yeah. Dieter, Dieter's and making me go like full Californians over here. About can't like believe you didn't take Oceanica. Yeah, about like surface road LA bullshit. Um, in terms of no way, that would put you in Studio City. Hey, I I lived in Studio City for three years. I know Studio City well. My favorite bar is still in Studio City. What's your favorite bar in Studio City? Uh, What's your favorite bar in Studio City? <laughs> oh, residuals. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the one bar where everyone puts their resi- their cheap residual checks on the ceiling. Well, they used to do that. They don't do it anymore. Um, the old woman who owned residuals ended up having to sell it. Um, oh. It's now just called, it used to be called Maid's Residuals. Now it's just residuals. Um, and it's the bar that's in Barry, the f- like first episode of Barry. Oh, right. Yes. Well, that's a, that's a very easy reference for everybody. Yeah. Like I've been going to that bar for like six years and then it just popped up in Barry. And I was like, okay, this is great. Probably shouldn't say anything because I'm going to sound like a moron, but like, there's a place that does a really good burger. I think it's technically in Burbank, but it could be in Studio City. It's by the golf store. Yeah, it doesn't Any help. of this ring a bell? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll sit this, this play out. So we're going to talk about, like, why the World Cup, like, I got yelled at by a bunch of, like, international people for, you know, why I said the World Cup doesn't really matter for the U.S. Uh, I uh, I decided to wade into the Tim Tebow uh Basically, the making fun of Tim Tebow Olympics uh, after he went on his impassioned rant about why players shouldn't be paid in college basketball or college sports, not even just college Fun basketball. Fact, in the Olympics, you can make money off of your name and likeness. <laughs> um, Karis Levert uh, got an extension since we've been gone. I want to talk about why I think that's like a massive steal. Uh, Eric Gordon got an extension. And then Dieter wants to talk about empty gym season in uh, the NBA where players. It's my favorite out. season. Yeah. It's my favorite season uh, for the love of the fame, baby. Hope springs eternal. I love it. So let's, uh, I, I just want to like preface this by saying, Hey, I had a lot going on in my life. Like 
the wedding happened and then I went on my honeymoon to Hawaii and like in the middle of my honeymoon, the world cup started, or I think it might even been at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So like I was inclined to not care about the world cup, right? Like I just had real life events happening. I was on vacation for three weeks. I did not have to work on the world cup. Having said that, I really just did not give a shit about that event. And like, I feel like most Americans just did not give a shit about that event. Like it's all the U S had to do, I think to qualify for the uh, Olympics was make the quarterfinals or something like that, which they did. Don't even know. And like, as soon as they did that, it was just like, what does this matter? And the reason I say like, I don't really care about it is because it just seems like this hastily thrown together event over the course of the last decade or like rebranded event, because realistically it's just like a knockoff of the world championships. Um, It just feels like this hastily branded event that doesn't really mean much to the players that could realistically play in the event. Like, right. I mean, like by looking at all of the rosters from, I would argue, you know, the two North American teams, you would basically say, Hey, this doesn't matter that much. Yeah. I think it was like 27 of the 31 players that were like originally invited to the camp, like declined to play in the event. Um, and look like there's some, yeah, like there are injuries, like Clay Thompson got hurt and Kevin Durant got hurt and there are free agency Clay Thompson with a torn ACL. Probably not, but like stand in the corner. Yeah. Um, and, and like there are free agency things that happen, right? Like that's why Ben Simmons didn't play for Australia. It seems like, and, uh, he he just, he didn't want to, he needed more money. Like what, basically what, what explain that to me? Well, Ben Simmons was, uh, negotiating his extension. Oh, that would be a good reason not to go play basketball. Yeah. Right. Uh, Jamal Murray, same deal was like negotiating his extension. Um, you know, Americans, you can look across the board. Anthony Davis was dealing with his trade situation and there were plenty of free agents this summer that were trying to figure out what their futures were going to be. Kemba Walker. Kemba showed up though. Kemba, Kemba got his shit done so he could be there. That's Great, and it's cool, and those guys that went... be forever immortalized because of it. Those guys that went should genuinely get props for going, I think. Uh, Like, I I don't mean to diminish this event, like, and diminish them as a proxy of doing that. You don't need to tap dance around this. They didn't even meddle. Like, who gives a shit? But, like, I think that those guys deserve props for going. If they want to go and play... Cool. Why? They, want, they wanted to play. They did something that they wanted to do. No one forced them to do anything. Clearly, there was no gun to a head situation. They wanted to do it. They did it. Why do we need to congratulate them on doing something that they wanted to do? Because I do still think there is something to like representing your country in yeah, like, they're a basketball get, they're event. What they like, it's great. And, you and know? clearly, they felt such a such a ping in their in their chest, and they followed through on it. I don't think that we need to. A pile. I don't. I don't think that there needs to be some outpouring of gratitude. It's not like they're the troops. Yeah. No, they're definitely not the troops. And like having said that, there's just no circumstance where I'm gonna like care about this. Like, look, Serbia with Nikola Jokic, like getting to see him with some of his countrymates playing against like the United States. Yeah. That's theoretically kind of cool, I guess. But like, better than nothing. I, I mean, like, I would rather. Just watch Nikola Jokic. Like, I, honestly, I would prefer Nikola Jokic be a thousand percent going into the NBA season as opposed to like working his ass off and playing in this event, to be honest. Like, but that's his call. 
For sure. yeah, it's and, his call. And Serbia's call. It and Serbia's matter, call. It, it matters more to countries that haven't won stuff. That's a great call. Like it really does matter more to Australia, for instance, like, you know, as the other half of my household would say. Right. Uh, than it does to America because America has such a track record of dominance and this event again just kind of doesn't mean much at the end of the day like after you qualify for the olympics and and like the usa just didn't send like a team that is remotely like it was a competitive team no question just because the u.s has such a ridiculous stranglehold over basketball in the world even though i think that what this tournament did prove on some levels the u.s can't send its you know c team and Mm -hmm. win a tournament of this structure just because everyone else got better I mean, Everyone remember when Jerry Colangelo the said that the rest of the world needed to up their game? They upped their game. Yeah, the, the rest of the world has definitely upped its game. Um, and Serbia that's is that's a good genuinely great. France, like France, uh, not only did they beat the United States and knock them out, they have three kids, in my opinion, that could end up being first rounders in Name the them. 2021 NBA draft. Uh, Teo Maladon, who is at Tony Parker's team, Osvel in France. Uh, he is in my opinion, going to be like a top seven pick. Uh, Killian Hayes is a guy that is very polarizing for people around the league. I don't really think he's like awesome. He's super high IQ, 6'5", 6'6", you know, pseudo point guard type, but he has never learned to shoot it. Uh, and then Malcolm Casalone is like the 6'6", 6'7", mm. long you know, wing who missed a little bit of time this year and didn't get a chance to play uh, in the Pro-A League uh, in France quite as much just because he was recovering and everything uh, as those other two guys. So like, if you told me those three were all first round picks in 2021 and France is building a golden generation of players, you know, uh, I believe there's Mathieu Gozan, uh, who is going to be eligible for the 2021 draft as well. Killian Tilly is going to be eligible for the 2021 draft. Like there really is a high level building in France. Spain obviously won the tournament. Argentina, uh, you know, performed really, really well, even though it was kind of an older team. Like, mm-hmm. It's great that basketball around the world is building at this level. Having said that, Have this you seen tournament, James? <laughs> yeah, like this tournament doesn't really explain anything in terms of like the U.S.'s standing in the world in regard to basketball. No. You know, no, it's like, like it, it's like it's it's like saying here's the best level of NBA basketball, and then sending you know the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, like I had like people coming at me saying like, "Oh, this is a disrespectful point of view to the rest of the world." Honestly, it's not. Like the if rest the rest of the, of the world, world doesn't realize that this is not the best the U.S. has to offer, then they probably need to get better internet. Like the odds are high that like I watch more international basketball than everyone who works outside of the NBA in the United States. So oh, like, you're definitely beating some NBA guys. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, probably so. It's not that out of a disrespect for international basketball. I love international basketball. Uh, it's that this tournament just doesn't mean much for us. Like it was how much. So you live like outside of the bubble of basketball that I live in. Like how right. much press coverage would you say that this tournament got in the United States until the team minimal? Lost? Because once the team loses, then people like get fucking up in arms. But like, let me, uh, let me put it to you this way. I, I'm very much a. Trying not to be, but I, I'm very much an online person. I had no idea when the games were or what the outcome was on a regular basis. Yeah, like it, it just—it it wasn't a thing. There was no live tweeting of it. There was—I would see some film breakdowns like at two o'clock in the afternoon. I go, "Oh, they're playing," not realizing like that doesn't make any damn sense. Um, like it wasn't a thing. 
It was it was straight up not a thing. No one had some big preview of the World Cup. No one, um, you know, let's make sure we watch this game. Not even you know the the nerdiest of basketball nerds, guys. Ten XU um, were were pushing this as some sort of must see TV thing. And frankly, um, it took me a solid day to find out the U.S. had lost. Yeah, like I watched. I'll be honest. Like I watched the uh, tune up game against Australia where they lost. Yeah, just I because. That. Yeah, like I, that I was, was honestly the biggest coverage was the ridiculous situation with the seats. Yeah, at the at the Boomer Dome with like Russell Crowe like bitching about where the courtside seats are. Yeah, they just they took like a cricket ground and then like just put like lawn chairs out there. It's great. I not realizing, it. you know, it'd be nice to have some pitch for the chairs so that yeah. you're not like basically it was like everyone was sitting behind me at all times. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, do you have anything else to say about this? Like, it's just not something that no, registered I just don't care. here. And I don't think it says anything about the U.S. Like, I saw some people, like, try and get takes off about the U.S. Uh, and, like, like, Jerry fucking Colangelo, what the fuck are you doing? The managing director of there we go. Here we USA are. Basketball. Yeah. Uh, no, I am annoyed with Jerry Colangelo. Uh, Jerry Colangelo is out here talking like, oh, I'll remember the guys that came to this tournament and the guys who decided not to come to this tournament, like we're, what we're rolling this back. What? Yeah. I was going to say, you're going to run back having Mason fucking Plumley on the team. You're going to run like Mason Plumley couldn't play minutes. Notice, in, notice how Jerry fucking Colangelo didn't uh, remember the guys who qualified the U S for this, for this tournament. But, Genuinely, uh, we'll I would have been so much more interested in the World Cup if they would have played either either the guys who qualified for the yeah. team, like Jameel Warney, I think, was on that team. And um, I, I want to say that Scotty Hobson was on that team. And uh, those guys, like all of those really, really great G League players. I think Cam Reynolds was on like one of the instances that qualified for that team until he got called up to the NBA. Um, yeah. Like... Give me that team because I would be more interested to see them play against this uh, European group. Also, I would have loved to have seen a team with like Will Clyburn and Mike James and Corey Higgins and these guys that are like million dollar players or close to million dollar players over in Europe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who know like the specifics of EuroLeague basketball and like know the specifics of FIBA rules. Just the FIBA ringers. Yeah, like bring in bring in the FIBA ringers. Like that'd be really cool. And I think that like it would show gratitude to players who are not in the NBA but are fucking excellent basketball players. Um and realistically, like Corey Higgins could be a I think Corey Higgins is probably pretty close to an NBA starter in terms of talent now, let alone like a guy who would just like sit on the end of the bench. Um like yeah. he's a lot closer to starter level than he is like end of the bench guy. So to me, like it, there's just no hook for me in this tournament, like even as a basketball junkie and even like when I talk to NBA executives for this like bigger project I'm working on right now, right? Honestly, nobody really cared. Like I talked, I could not talk to anyone who was like, yeah, I'm like watching every game. Like I'm into this. They were all like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think anyone expected anything differently. It's, it's some weird revisionist history to where it only matters now that they lost. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't remember. I just, I, I just don't know. I just don't know what, what we're talking about here. Like the entire premise of this thing is ridiculous on its face. I mean, the World Cup is being created by FIBA to stand as a challenge to the Olympics. Basically, they want the World Cup to be bigger than the Olympics. But the U.S. 
clearly doesn't adhere to that that structure. Like for the U.S., the Olympics are still going to be a big deal. You will not see remotely close to the dropout rate um, that you saw for the World Cup for next year's Olympics. I mean, Steph Curry and Draymond Green, as, as far as we know, if they stay healthy, they're in. Um, that alone <laughs> tells you the difference in talent between the Olympics and the World Cup. And the rest of the world, uh, international basketball means a lot. For the U.S., it only matters at the Olympics. It only matters at the Olympics. And you can argue that that interest is waning. So I, I just don't. It's great for the other countries. It's it's awesome, um, but we're not we're not wired like that. Like it's it's just not the sport is not at that level yet, at least for the U.S. marketplace to where international competitions really matter. Like re, like it, it's an actual thing. Like U.S. soccer matters, or I guess that's really it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think that U.S. soccer is the only place where the World Cup is like a thing that matters. Um, but right. that's because the World but the, Cup. But, a, but, that, but, but it's because the World right. Cu- the World Cup is like build up equity year over year over year and the for Olympics the last hundred years of it. Yeah, and the Olympics are essentially an under twenty three event. It, it is. I mean, it's literally an under twenty three event with three guys who are over twenty three. Women's is is full squad, both Olympics and World Cup. We all know that the World Cup is the bigger draw. And, yep. and that's where that's where I want to be at. Like I understand FIBA wanting to go full Gary Bettman and have their own thing that's bigger than the Olympics so that they can get the money. Um, that that makes perfect sense to me as you know someone who understands rudimentary business. Like FIBA doesn't make money off of this. They would like to make money off of international basketball, uh, which is getting significantly. It's much much better. I mean, massively better over over the course of our lifetime, over the course of the last five years, ten years. Um, but one of the two major international competitions, the World Cup or the Olympics, needs to put in that under-23 limitation. Um, and I don't think it's going to be the Olympics. And I'm pretty sure that the World, you know, FIBA is not going to give it up for the World Cup. But maybe the U.S. just leads the way in that and just says, okay, we're going to treat this as an under-23 competition as opposed to a fringe all-star you know, second, third best player on the team, PJ Tucker representing our country competition. Let's treat it with, let's do the G League guys. So let's do, you know, top NBA prospects or something like that. Let, let's come up with a model that we can use every four years that there's a clear cutoff, there's a clear ceiling, and people can get excited about it because it's really hard to get excited when 90% of dudes drop out or 90% of the pool drops out and you're now sc- scraping at the bottom of this very, very good barrel, um, as opposed to go into a different barrel, which it isn't as good, but at least you're getting the top quality stuff. Like, I think that would be the best way for the U S to handle it. But again, um, you know, Jerry Colangelo is in charge. So who knows if they're ever going to do anything intelligent about it. Yeah. And now Colangelo keeps like talking about it. Um, you know, there was a headline today with him saying like, Oh, if we didn't get hurt, if Jason Tatum and, uh, well, like Marcus Smart, I think also got hurt. Uh, if those guys didn't get hurt, we would have won the tournament for sure. Someone with USA Basketball, please. Jerry Colangelo, the Colangelo family's equity within basketball is at such a nadir, such a low <laughs> right now. We all need to find a new slant. Please, someone just get him to stop talking about this. Because the best way, again, nobody cares in the United States anymore. It's not a story unless you keep talking about it. And Jerry Colangelo keeps talking about it. <laughs> what, what else is he supposed to do? How else is he supposed to stay relevant? I don't know. Um, maybe that's maybe that's the big takeaway here. Like, get this guy out of get this guy out of there. 
Well, I think Why is this guy is, still in fucking charge? I think that like it's a four year. He gets elected like on a four year cycle. So like I think 2020 is like the next time he has to be elected um, within this, you know, is the managing director of USA Basketball. Put uh, Jeff Van Gundy in charge. Genu- I don't care who you put in charge. Just not Jerry Colangelo, please. Um, I'm I'm done with Jerry Colangelo. I'm done with the Colangelo family. Um, all right, let's. Uh, it's a normal size collar. It's a normal size collar. Please move on. Find a new slant. Uh, just. I don't. I, I don't think we can bring that line up enough. It's just so goddamn funny. I just don't understand why the Colangelo. Those were great. Those were great moments in game theory podcast history. The they Jerry Colangelo. <laughs> the Jerry Colangelo collar gate. Jerry Colangelo collar gate is unquestionably. <laughs> shout out to the ringer. Shout out to Ben Dietrich because you guys have done the world a service. Uh, support for the Game Theory podcast comes from Manscaped, who is number one in, and I quote, men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers mm. precision engineered Knees. tools for your family jewels. Look. Ah. I use Manscaped like I like they sent me a really great oh, electric on, razor. I just use it on my face. Like it's a great oh, electric razor. Uh, the money maker. Yeah, and they sent off also this like really really nice. Uh, I believe it's like a silver uh, actual razor itself, and it's like Ooh. nice and heavy. It feels good in your hand. I just use it to clean up my neck. Like it's a really, really Fair great enough. product. I am a huge fan of Manscaped in general. Uh, accidents are finally a thing of the past with this technology that they have uh, developed here. It, it really is just an absolutely terrific, terrific product. You can get 20% off in free shipping with the code theory at Manscaped. Uh, again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code theory at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com and use that code theory. Really, it's a great electric razor. Like I'm a fan of it. Respect. Yeah. It's it's great. So let's talk about um, oh, Tim Tebow. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I, I don't. I, I just want to call out how ridiculous Tim Tebow yelling on ESPN um, about the fact that he got uh, he was the third biggest selling jersey in the world at one point uh, behind LeBron. And I don't even know who the second one was. Dwayne Wade or something Messi? like that. Who knows? Um, yeah. He also he made said, that shit up. Yeah, he said like two American names. Meanwhile, like fucking Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo fucking dwarf Tim Tebow in terms of like stature around the world. Um, oh, I, I should have made all of this money, but I, I, I didn't want to uh, make all of this money while I was playing at Florida because I did it for the love of the game and for because college basketball or college football is for the love of the game like all this bullshit uh look there is probably a pretty realistic case in terms of like why college athletes shouldn't get paid you won't find me making that case uh you certainly won't find me making it as stupidly as tim tebow did uh he didn't tim even tebow, make a case he just talked about himself and somehow tried to shoehorn that into a uh, larger point yeah like tim tebow who like whose parents own or like are the owners of a 44 acre farm in Florida and whose parents were able to pay for a second apartment. Uh, basically that was from what I understand, like kind of a quote unquote, like sham apartment so that you could play for the football team in this uh, area that I actually know how for. this. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to be the perfect person to talk about this. Okay. 
The sham apartment thing is ballyhooed. It has not been confirmed. They do have a Tebow is homeschooled because his parents were, um, let's just say religious. Right? Yeah. Like he was born um, in the Philippines because his parents were missionaries, correct? Right. So, um, God forbid he go to a secular school of any sort. Um, they do allow kids who are homeschooled to play sports at their district school. Um, with it, without there's no issue. You don't have to like be. You don't have to be enrolled in the school. You don't have to have an apartment or anything. Um, you can do that. It's called the Tebow rule because he is the most famous example. I cannot speak to if it existed before or after he was at uh, the high school he he played at in Jacksonville. Um, that would probably lend itself to if the apartment uh, rumor is um, plausible or implausible. But it is the Tim Tebow rule. It's essentially if you have religious fanatic parents and you're being homeschooled, but you want to compete in FH. FSHAA sports, you can do that. You are just part of um, whatever your normal school district would be. So I guess that here is my point with all of this. Whenever you're talking about Tim Tebow and Tim is trying to bring his unique experiences into this circumstance, like people, yeah, he's get, the only one who's ever played college football, but like people get all up in arms when you talk about privilege, but like, this is the fucking perfect example of privilege, right? Yeah. Just Tim Tebow, a kid that, Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that his, like, parents who were missionaries were, like, rich or anything like that. I don't know enough about that. But, like, it certainly seems like, and you will probably be able to explain this to me a little bit better because you were in the area for a little while. But, like, Tebow's parents certainly were not poor, we can say. Right. right? Yes. So... There are so many players that Tim Tebow even played with at Florida or that deal with collegiate athletics and the NCAA on a year-to-year basis, on a month-to-month basis, that do not come from even, like, middle-class means. Let's let's say, let's even say, like, middle-class for Tim Tebow. Like, my guess is, given the fact that his family owned a 44-acre farm, probably a little bit higher than that. But, like, let's yeah. let's even say, let's go conservatively, Right. And say, like, Tim Tebow grew up in middle-class America in Florida. Uh, It is just not even a situation that I feel like he can discuss. Because the people that we're trying to help by giving uh, name, image, and likeness money to and advocating for these rules to go into effect are the people who don't have anything and have to go through college you know, sending money back to their families so that like their mom can keep the roof over her head with rent. Um, lights on, yeah. Yeah, literally keep the lights on. Like Des Bryant posted a great photo of like his birth certificate after where Des Bryant's mom was 14 when she had him yeah. and the dad was like out of the picture. And it, it's right. stuff like that that I think uh, ultimately a gets lost in the shuffle whenever uh, these people who come from even a small amount of privilege decide to discuss this topic. Like Danny Cannell, like said, like Tim Tebow was one hundred percent right. Danny Cannell's dad was the fucking doctor for like the New York Yankees, I think. Right. Yeah, Danny <laughs> like, Cannell was. Danny Cannell never had to work. He got free room and board, but his parents could have afforded room and board. And I, I, I feel the same could be said for Tim Tebow at the University of Florida. Since he you know, grew up in Florida, it's not that expensive to go to the University of Florida. More expensive, certainly, but uh, than you know, not. But uh, 
uh, you know, in-state tuition and all that. Like he could have gone to the University of Florida had he wanted to. It's it's funny he didn't turn down the scholarship. He had no problem turning. You know, he did, right. he didn't want that money, but he had no problem keeping the scholarship. I mean, where does that line? Yeah, you know, if he, if he's making the argument, you know, where does it stop? Where is the line? It, it, the same can be made for him. Where is his line? I mean, why didn't he play for free? Right, and like, look, I'm not saying Tim Tebow is like a bad person. Like Tim Tebow does a lot of great work for charity. And, I I think um, I think he's um I think he's righteously indignant and um i i do i do i actually kind of think he's a bad person now he does a lot of very good things or at least overtly um positive things tim Cle- genuinely seems to help a lot of people and i think that yes that and is- he cares a lot a lot of people yes I also like I- think that he's full of shit and i've thought that for a very long time we're not going to get into that because that, that seems like a rabbit hole that uh <laughs> You want to talk? You want to talk about privilege with Tim Tebow for a second? He's in AAA. Yeah, the fact that Tim Tebow is like a thirty-year-old uh, who got sent to AA like immediately, and look, like people will come back and say, like Tim Tebow was like a AA All-Star this year. Yeah, he added one sixty-three, two forty, two fifty-five, and seventy-seven AAA games this year. But like, here's the other thing about this: like, he's going to keep getting these chances because he sells tickets more than like your average. Uh, minor league basket or minor league baseball player. Um, right. seven, <laughs> seven, thir- seven thirty four OPS in double A. How much? So like Tim is Tim, shit. Tim Tebow is what? Uh, he's probably thirty two now. I think he's. I think he's, he's thirty one. He's thirty one. So he's an ex- easily accessible number. So yeah. So it's thirty two. Right he is turned thirty two. He's thirty two years old. Yeah. Okay. So Tim Tebow is. If you made me bet, I would venture that Tim Tebow is nine years older than the average player in double A. This is a very easily accessible stat. Give me a second. Yeah. So it's it's six. So in in 2017, when he was playing in yeah. uh, playing in Columbia in the South Atlantic League, which is just single A. Um, 7.5 years older. He's seven and a half years older than the average player. Uh, typically, in most circumstances, teams don't keep those kind of guys around. Because nope. they aren't prospects. Like, it's just not worth having them around. Um, yeah, it's this is... Tim Tebow is like the epitome of privilege in so many ways. And I think the whole conversation about paying players is to try... It, like, it's... And the other problem with this is, too, that, like, it's really hard to have this conversation and not break down along racial barriers as well. Like, Jamel Hill wrote a really great thing in The Atlantic yeah. about how... Um, she feels African-American athletes should make it a point to go to HBCUs because um, basically there is a long held belief that essentially uh, who someone wrote the idea. I think it was Bill Roden wrote about like the uh, $40 million like slave, right? Um, where, you know, these people are highly paid, but you know, they're highly paid and still just employed largely by white owners. And by going through like, Jamel Hill's idea of going to historically black colleges, they would redistribute the wealth through the African-American community. Um, it's a good idea. Yeah. Like I totally understand the idea. Um, I believe, I believe in agency that, and I, you know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe the argument is, uh, maybe the argument is strong enough to where some people will, will uh, follow through on that path. Though yeah. I would say, you know, it, it's hard to turn down, you know, Alabama's waterfalls in the practice facility sometimes. Yeah, and it's going to be hard to turn down uh, money whenever this California law goes into effect, right? Can we talk about the California law just a little bit, removing sure. the Tebow? Because that's ultimately where this Tebow thing comes from, right? And like, I, I just want to point out, like, 
again to like when I say that like it's really hard not to have this conversation just in regard to like race as well. Um, there is like a very real wealth gap in the country, and that's a problem. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That goes without saying. So where um, did you want to go with the uh, California? Bill? I, I'm for I'm for it, but I, I don't think it solves any actual problems. I, I don't. It operates under the presumption that there is no black market for high level athletes at the yes. college level, and that is a very. I mean. It's one of the. It's a black market, so you don't want to necessarily acknowledge it in legislation. Well, but like, that's a very be, stupid assumption. Here would be my question to you: Is it operating under that, or is it essentially trying to legislate and make the black market no longer a black market? It, it's. It's. Yeah. No. That's exactly what it is. It's. It's. Yeah. I think that. I think that it is doing it in a non-conscious way. I think that they are. I don't think that they're aware of the depth of the black market for college basketball players and college football players. Um, but it would essentially just make it a white market. Not to not to, to tap into racial lines again here, but like if you are, if it, you it, it being, put it on the quote unquote like up and up, where right. you know, these you know like a shoe company right. from Adidas could legally pay a kid and not have it be well, no, but they but they could fraud not, to the NCAA. Not, yeah, you if they go to an Adidas school, um, which I guess is sort of along the lines that it always has been. Um, but who is I mean, how is this going to help the you know the poor kid who goes to San Jose State because no one wants to pay them. <laughs> You know? Oh no! Like, it's, no. it's not going to help that kid. Like that kid's still so, just going to be on scholarship. And uh, aren't and aren't those the people that when we're really when we're really talking about paying athletes, are we talking about market share? Are we talking about fair market price for their talents, or are we talking about the redistribution of the wealth from these athletic programs, which now get all of it down to some of the players that are actually the workforce that create that money? Because Right now, it just looks to me like Tua is going to have three car car dealership commercials, and you know the the quarterback at San Jose State, or you know the backup point guard for you know Eastern Washington, they're not going to get anything that helps them comp- in, unless they have an, another black market coming up. I, I well, just here, don't. Here's I just don't I see think, the benefit. Here's what I think California might be kind of hoping is that some of these schools basically tell the NCAA to fuck off and then decide to like go off and do their own thing and then like create their own set of rules to govern this where potentially, you know, they might try and come up with a circumstance where they do try and redistribute the wealth. Obviously, I don't so think you're these saying, universities you're saying that, I don't think these universities are going to be inclined to share what they have. Uh, correct. Why would but, there's no there's no rule saying that they should and it's a competitive disadvantage to them or I guess it could be a competitive advantage to them, but like let's just use UCLA as the example, right? Sure. Okay. They're a public school. Under this Armour rule comes, reps them. Right. There this rule comes in I don't think it changes anything for them. Um, it certainly changes things for their players, but in terms of like them, how would it? Uh, well, again, like in the same way that like Tua would have three car dealership ads, I think that like boosters for UCLA basketball would set up ads for players, even at UCLA. But is but is but isn't that more or less just them now actually working for the money that they were getting before? Now they actually have to have some clear overt, you know, yes. here's a service, here is some money. Yes, I would say that that is basically right. And yes, they do have to work for it. But like, I mean, it's work, 
quote unquote. And like, honestly, oh, I, I think that, that what's going to happen is like, it's not it just like car dealerships. Then. It's going to be, you know, any number of companies where these, you know, boosters are going to say, hey, come work for my company, quote unquote, for right. 12 but hours again, a week been, and we'll give we've you $100,000. We've been doing that forever. Now it just doesn't need, the money doesn't need to be laundered as effectively. Um my 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 argument right. is still the same. How does this change anything? It just I think changes. it really only it just makes changes. people feel better about the black market. It just makes people think that oh well, this is all be, this is all a okay. It doesn't run a foul. You can't run a foul of NCAA rules because the state California says that this is the, you're totally cool doing it. Now that that will be an interesting legal battle there. My argument is again the issue isn't that these guys. It's partially that they can't get money in, in a legal manner, well, but the bigger issue is the trickle down. I would say that more players are probably likely to get paid this way. Um, That's fair. Not like a ton more, but I would say it's easier to do it. Um, I would say also that I think the wealth that will be gained by the top players will certainly exceed what they're getting paid now. But we don't really know what they're getting paid now. Yeah, but like, for instance, like Brian Bowen was just just because it's easier to do it. It, 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 the money should go up, but I well I that and like that you look and at, like I think that like Nike is gonna actually like pony up to earlier in these kids' lives to get them there, and then also to get them like to these universities that they want them to go to, so that they can start selling advertisements right. with them and everything earlier. And then additionally, I think that one big problem about this entire thing, and one big question that people have about it is, for instance, and we'll go to the Brian Bowen case, is like you know. Brian Bowen was quoted to get paid $100,000 or his dad was like supposed to get paid $100,000. Mm-hmm. How much of that money is actually trickling down to the kid right now versus how much of it is the parent just like kind of keeping? And well, I think I mean, that, that by that doing it the way California... you're trying to pay someone who's less than 18. Uh, yeah, but you're not really doing that in college. That's a very, very rare circumstance. But you were saying if they um, come into their lives earlier, I mean, earlier is most of the time earlier than 18 years old. Well, I'm saying that they'll come into their lives in terms of contract agreements earlier. Right. Still, not 18 yet. So, I, 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 uh, again, it makes it probably, easier. There's- my, my guess is it would probably be in college, um, and during the college like recruitment process. Um, right. And, yeah, there would probably be some deal-making before people get to 18 years old and then like sign once they get to 18 years old. But I do think that the trickle-down effect here as well would be that student-athletes would see more of the funds versus the parents seeing the funds. Of that, of, of, okay. I'll give you that one. But this is now more or less just shoe money, which is a big chunk of the money out there. So instead of it all going to the school, but yeah, and then the school also having even to... The, I would also say that this kid doing a TV commercial for a car company, instead of that booster paying that kid's AAU coach or parent to convince him to go to X university, the player is now getting paid by the car dealership in some sort of legalized manner where they're right. signing the contract, they're getting the money as opposed to it going through back channels. Again, it just it, it just makes the black market on the up and up. So yes, probably more money flows that way, and I, I, we shouldn't be fighting that. I'm certainly not against this. What I'm saying is it doesn't really solve the damn problem. I don't is, think it solves the problem, no. I think that's yeah, okay. totally a fair okay. okay. Then we are, in, we are in cahoots, and we do not need to beat this down any longer. Yeah, like it, the problem is that the NCAA is just raking in money hand over, like, fist while right. and, and, and if you look at some of this legislation it, it keeps like 
instances like if you have if you go to Duke, they have a shoe deal with Nike. If Adidas, if you if Adidas wants to come in and pay you to wear Adidas on the court, you can't do it because the NCAA and and Nike that contract supersedes any deal that you can make. So essentially, you cannot uh, have a conflict of interest with your athletic department. Um, right. So it so still what, feels what like they're going to be running there, the running shit. The shoe companies or the NCAA, the schools. In this case, each school, because, again, the issue is taking the money that the school is making off of these billion dollar enterprises and getting it to the actual people who make it billion dollar enterprises. Yeah. So the shoe money, which was always black market ish, that now doesn't have to be laundered as much. Right. It doesn't have to go to the coaches, which then give it to the players who probably aren't giving it to the players. They're giving it to the AAU coach or the dad or whatever. So that you don't have to go. You can be more direct shoe company. So long as it's the right shoe company directly to the players. Okay, that I guess that's a good thing. You have bagman stuff well now you don't have to do it through a bagman you can just have a contract for hey you know you're going to get five hundred thousand dollars a year in a sham job and the rental cars and all that stuff stuff that was already happening now just doesn't have to be as complicated but alabama is still going to rake in all the money they're not going to lose a damn cent off of this thing other than having to launder some of the the shoe money because the shoe money is still going to be there um for them overall uh, yeah, and and the coaches are still going to get paid out the ass, and the players are not going to get paid a fair market salary. Yeah, I do have some questions about why, like the NCAA. I think the NCAA in general is just like extremely opposed to all things that make their student athletes less of an amateur um, and, and makes them less money. Right, but isn't your whole point here? You think that the NCAA itself will make less money, but the schools will not? No, no, no. The NCAA is going to be a okay, and the schools are going to be a okay. They 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 might even get more right, money that, out of that's this That's my whole point. Thing. This I, keeps their system in play. The NCAA is against things that give players money because it can lose them money. I don't the really sy- the system the system is still in place. This is just pocket change compared to the big the big money pool. So it's I think giving, there's it's giving them an like allowance a, and then pretending like they don't realize that the vault should be open. There's the big conversation to be had here is about how much do we think that shoe companies uh, wield influence over these schools uh, in regard to the apparel deals that they have at these universities? Like, for instance, Under Armour about a year and a half ago decided to make UCLA their West Coast, you know, beacon. Yeah, much to the chagrin of Cal, which was told that they were the West Coast flagship. Right. So will these shoe companies is the is the reason the NCAA and these member institutions are as worried about the California bill as they are publicly making themselves out to be that they think that eventually these shoe companies will decide, well, we're not actually just going to go with you guys anymore. We found that the best way to go about advertising our product is to have specific players uh, actually just repping but that's the issue. You, 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 you're not going to have a you're not going to have a brand agnostic major university. It's just at this. But point, I, guess, I guess that my question is why? Like why? What is what is stopping a school or a company like Nike from going? Hey, we think it's more valuable for us to actually just rep these players versus repping the university itself? because it, because because the overall goal of this while yes there's a very large portion which is we can use this as a recruitment tool quote unquote for you know big time athletes 
you go to a Nike school, now you're going to wear a Nike product afterwards. We've seen that connection time and time again, uh, whether it be Cam Newton with Under Armour, whether it be Zion with, you know, oh, Jordan brand, definitely not Nike. Zion um, was Zion was very different, though, because Zion was on the Adidas circuit throughout his entire youth career, went to a Nike school and then signed with Jordan. Um, right. The expectation, think- like it seemed like, was that Zion was probably an Adidas guy before this. Nevertheless. Um, we've seen enough correlation between shoes that you wear, let's just say at the college level, because we all know the wild, wild west of AAU ball. I don't know if it necessarily holds. We got guys taking bags from three or four different shoe companies at, at junctures, and they're not returning that cash. Um, there's, it's more than just that. Like you, Alabama and Nike don't have a deal just so that they can make sure that Alabama football players wear Nike coming out. It's also apparel. It's also just over overall. Right. Nike and Alabama are correlated, and if so, Nike so here, not here's, drop here's that. what I would say and to then my you own. Drop down yeah. to lower levels. There will always be a there will always be a company. New Balance does mains shit, and okay, that that's a that's a market thing. If Nike wants to do what Nike is is made it very clear they want to do, which is complete domination of the space, and we're seeing that when they have nine out of the 10 biggest schools in colleges, the ones that actually sell big numbers of apparel, uh, of jerseys, all that stuff. You have their entire, you have the entire NBA deal, huge. The entire NFL, huge. Next year, they get the entire entirety of Major League Baseball, massive. I mean, Adidas is holding on with some schools, just a couple, and NHL, like that just doesn't do it. Under Armour wasn't able to get it wasn't able to finish an MLB deal, which was critical for them in their ideas of growth moving forward. It, if Nike's not just going to drop out of that space. Now, they might not have to be so aggressive, but they're not going to drop out of the space because someone else on the lower end is going to pick it up. If, if you bring down the amount of money that it costs to be a full brand well, for here, a, here's what I would a say. college, ultimately, someone's going to pay it. Ultimately, it's, not, it's just not as valuable for them, I think, to rep singular athletes and because essentially you're gambling on which athletes are going to make it versus which yeah, athletes seen, been are very not going to make it. A lot of times, yeah. Sure. So like, there's going to be a level to which you're like wasting money versus actually making money, especially whenever there are now stars actually switching branding deals, right? Like going right. from, in right. Kawhi's case, Nike to New Balance. Um, right. You know, there have been a few other examples in recent years. So Steph, Steph going from Nike to Under Armour. Sure. So. Ultimately, I think that that's the thing. Like these big university deals end up being longer term. They're safer. I would venture that in terms of just like pure apparel deals, uh, something like Alabama football shirts probably sell. I don't know if they, they probably don't sell more than like Stephen Curry basketball branded shirts. But you I'd would like to. Find, I actually to, like to see those numbers because Stephen Curry gets twenty million dollars a year from Under Armour. How much money do you think? I mean, it's obviously a partnership, right? Um, right. You're getting some lump sums and this and that. It's not like Alabama's paying twenty million dollars and then getting everything beyond that. But um, well, Alabama's I, I, it, you know, it's Alabama's probably getting, a similar business, right? Like that's what I'm saying, though. Like it's a similar business model in terms of like selling branded materials. And I would venture that like the university system, in terms of the NCAA and in terms of selling apparel, is much more stable than trying to do it based off of branded athlete for sure and that's Absolutely. why that's why you these brands make one shit shoe that. and the entire brand goes to hell yeah so th- that's my guess on why these brands wouldn't go down that road um exactly and that's a guess so the it's money's like still a... going to flow into the schools 
And yes. that's and that's a major revenue source. And the tickets are still going to be sold by the schools. And the NCAA model of amateurism is still going to be upheld. And everyone's going to be making money, except for some of the very top guys are going to be getting a pittance compared to their fair market value. And anyone lower than them is is just left there with you know the full scholarship and stuff. And listen, it's not to say that there's not some value in the. I mean, full that's a good question. How much do you think someone like let's say Tua? Because tu- what is Tua probably the most valuable college football player right now? Maybe you could make a case for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, yeah, but like let's like, let's use how this much li- do you think Tua is worth right now to Nike? Five hundred k. I don't know. I mean, uh, that's one issue. The guys who the guys who are in the sport that makes the most revenue are even if they're extremely famous, extremely popular. Well, let's um, let's actually let's do basketball guys. because yeah. I was gonna, well, let's do basketball because I think basketball player we have, we have some is more valuable. Yeah, you know, yeah. We know like Steph Curry makes twenty million dollars a year. So how Z- many? You I know, think what Zion is up Steph- around like. 10 right now so like, okay and what would he have been to nike last year i would have i would venture that nike adidas etc would have gotten in a bidding war for zion last year even i don't think it yeah. would have been 10 five i would have probably said five something like that and um, that would have been and that would have been the a number one most money given to a guy in a very long time right so someone like so let me pull up my 2020 nba draft board right so uh, Cole Anthony this year, I think would be a good example of someone who's going to be very, uh, very sought after by, uh, apparel companies. I would yeah. venture that Cole Anthony, uh, could probably get a deal right now with an apparel company for $2 million a year. And that's like a total estimate. Um, could be more, could be less, but like I what would venture the, what someone would pay him at least $2 million to sign with their company because Cole Anthony has, I think well over, Cole Anthony has a bunch of Instagram followers. Like you could easily just say like, okay, it's worth us to get Cole Anthony's 504,000 Instagram followers that are slowly but surely going to grow over the course of the next year, uh, probably into a million Instagram followers between posting his highlights and, you know, everything else. I think think that's fair. But again, $2 million, maybe that, maybe that is fair market. I don't don't know. We we haven't had an actual marketplace yet. And now, and the other thing too is it would have to be Nike because if he go, he signed with North Carolina, so he can't wear any other shoe. He can't wear anything but Jumpman. So it's also a good question. It would have to work like, out that way. So if now, you are if you are Adidas and you just want to lock in Cole Anthony, would you be willing to eat a year of him not being able to what, wear what, your what apparel? Did, what did the What did the New Balance kid? What was the kid who interned at New Balance? Darius Baisley. Do you know how? I mean, do you know how much his he was contract paid? is very complicated. Uh, the initial number that Shams reported was like ten. Uh, ten. Like I'm sorry, ten million dollars. Yeah, it was like some weird. Um, it was it was a yeah, higher number super than incentive laden. Yeah, it was a higher number than what the uh, than what was guaranteed. Basically, um, he earned, I think it was like a million last year, I think is what he, from New Bath. I mean, and Darius Baisley that, is like that. a late first round pick this year that is very, very open ended in terms of where his career goes from here. That's what, like that, Cole, okay. Cole Anthony. I, if I was a shoe company, I'd be like, OK, I will. If I was New Balance, I'd be like, OK, Cole, I will give you 
three and a half million dollars because like the risk over how long is just worth it oh i'd give him like three and a half million like next year and you try to lock him into a 10-year deal or something yeah maybe like five. seven but yeah. yeah yeah five or seven be like hey cole we'll give you 20 million dollars over the next six years seven years okay so and what kind of a shoot if, if he does what you think he's going to do this year what kind of a shoe deal is he going to get next year if he goes first overall in the draft, I would say Cole is a particularly popular, likable, um, very intelligent person that I think would really be very uh, marketable and you know will have a high level of endorsement money. Yeah, I would guess he could get five if he has like if he averages like I think he's probably going to average like twenty points you know, seven assists, like five rebounds or something. If he does that, like, yeah, I think he could probably get like five if he goes first or second in the draft. So why wouldn't he just wait? Because you get the money now versus later. It's the same. Like, this is a great conversation to transition into like Karis LeVert, right? So I yeah. think Karis LeVert signed a contract for three years. Was it 52 million? The you extension? I don't have it up on me. Sorry. I think it was. Uh, so it was 52 and a half. Three years, 52 and a half. So Karis LeVert is essentially getting 17.5 million a year. Karis LeVert is like, for me, if I'm like trying to figure out who I want to max from this class, like Karis LeVert's probably in the top five. Mm -hmm. I think Karis is worth, if he would have the year that I think he's capable. Yeah, if he's worth the year that I think he's, uh, if he has the year that I think he's capable of having, he probably could have gotten 400. Um, Karis, in my estimation probably decided to sign this lesser deal a because he has an injury history that is pretty extensive and wanted to lock in money which is why i think you know cole anthony would consider something like this hey uh maybe he wouldn't because he comes from a rich family his dad is greg anthony like he doesn't necessarily need the money but like if that's your goal you could do it that way um if you're someone that doesn't come from that kind of family or uh also with Karis Levert, he got a three-year deal versus a four-year deal. And what you see with the NHL within like bridge contracts, right, is that, you know, traditionally in the the NBA, we think about these contracts and say like, um, if you shorten the contract, you have to up the annual average value. I actually think that these restricted free agency deals are actually a little bit differently, are actually a little bit different where Karis Levert, I would venture probably gave a little bit of money back in order to get a three-year deal so that he could hit the market quicker um, get to the seven to 10 max window because Karis is already 25 years old. And you could make a case that like it behooves him to hit the market again at 28 years old rather than hit it again at 29 while also taking the risk of um, potentially getting hurt before he gets that payday. I get that. I get that. My, my just going back to the, the shoe deal point. I mean, it's waiting one year. It is, it, it, it again. It's only benefiting the guys who are going to get paid anyway, right? Um, the California bill, you mean? Correct. It, it would only benefit the people who are already getting paid, whether that be having to wait a year, whether that be through um, black market means. It, it just doesn't seem like this so, is actually solving the problem. Here's here's actually a question for you, just because like I don't know football recruiting. Like you've dealt in the world of football recruiting when you worked in Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah. How much do kids get paid? Like, I honestly don't know how much money they even get. Like, what what is a typical price tag for like a four star? Um, depends on the position. Um, like offensive linemen don't, in, unless they're a five star, don't usually get paid very much at all. Um, if you are an ex- super explosive athlete, like guys who are currently in the NFL now, just going through sort of my mental Rolodex, um, 
$250,000 for one five-star that um, may or may not play for a team in New England, um, might, may or may not have, uh, have gone to an SCCE school. Um, but, you know, that was pretty high, and that was through, uh, you know, his uncle has a company that trains, you know, that, that trains recruits, uh, except he only had, you know, two people who were trained, and, uh, and you know, they were brothers. So it wasn't like a – it was pretty clear as how that went. Um, and it's all through, you know, boosters and things like that. So, you, listen, it, no one's getting millions via that route. But I don't think anyone at, playing college football with three years to go is going to be getting some million-dollar shoe deal. Um, it, it's all pocket change compared to basketball. the star power that comes with basketball. And so your question, like, because, would Trevor Lawrence get a yeah, million dollars? He, he'd, be, he'd, he'd stand the best chance. Yeah, but and that's only let's let's all let's be fair about this. That's only because he immediately won the national championship as a freshman, right? Right, like right. Most like Justin guys, Fields and him were basically like one A, one B in that class. Trevor was one A. Um, right. I, I don't think Justin Fields has nearly the market power, even at Ohio even State, close. that Trevor Lawrence does. Right now, you do have market power in that market, right? Um, you are the biggest deal in Clemson, you, you know, uh, Greenville, right. South Carolina, uh, top hundred media market. You got some power there. You got some sway. And like Justin Fields le- would be able to make $500,000 easy, I think, just with like Columbus. endorsements and advertising in Columbus. Yeah, but it'd be an amalgamation, right? It would he'd be, be making yeah. something. That'd be good. That'd be good. No what else could be good if they just if everybody got a basic universal income for being part of it. They got paid like the amount of Hashtag hours that gang, they had. Gang. Yeah, like I, you know what I mean though? Like you're playing everyone talks about the scholarship and everyone talks about oh, you can work off your likeness forever. Okay. Those are those are accurate and fair, except for the fact that uh, your likeness forever has far less value after you're done playing than it does when you are playing. And two, we talk about this scholarship without acknowledging the fact that for most, um, the scholarship is, is sort of a half scholarly. Not that you're not getting full room and board and paid and all these amenities at the high-end schools and all this stuff, but you're, play, you're, you're majoring in football. That uh, This is how schools operate. And it's intellectually disingenuous to pretend as if these guys can go in and you know be pre-med uh, or you know actually do something of real value they're majoring in sociology or general studies or something so that they can be at practice twice a day that they can be in the facility whenever they need so that schoolwork doesn't get in the way of their real job which is playing football which they're not being paid for they're I appreciate only being you put up not, for. Uh, not making fun of the communication degree there Fine. They, even the communication degree. I mean, hey, it's just no, like no, no, we don't. We don't do the communication degree. <laughs> just saying. I mean, real people get real journalism degrees. Um, but uh, like, it, there was nobody. There's nobody at Mizzou who was you know doing journalism. Right. That's the the number one major at Mizzou supposedly. It, but no, there there it's sociology, which I have a major in that too like i i know i was in all of those classes i know that you know it's not that hard i fucking did it so wait the, the kurtenbach uh, major is sociology no and journalism i got two i i had okay. to take so many i took so many sociology courses that were easy for the point of you know fulfilling like certain requirements for the journalism degree the non um non-program requirements i realized i was like one or like three hours away from just getting a full major in it. And I was like, Oh fuck it. I'll just take the other major. 
Yeah, it's kind of kind of similar to what happened to me with getting the film major is a second yeah. major. So like I don't I don't I don't think I showed up at graduation. I might not even have put in the paperwork, but whatever. No, it's a, it's one of those things where it's just like of course you have a sociology major. It's not hard to get. So no offense to people who actually have a decent sociology major, my bad. But like I'm sure there are good sociology majors out there. I'm sure there are good people who have that. I'm sure that I would venture there are probably good universities too for it. I mean, what what does the social what does the sociologist do for a living? Uh, I don't know. I doubt it's something having to do with sociology, even as wide arcing of a a major as that is. Like, but you understand my point is that these guys aren't you know majoring in you know theoretical physics and, and doing PhDs and shit. They're they're being brought in to play football because football makes the school a shit ton of money. It makes the athletic department a shit ton of money. It makes the school a shit ton of money because if your football team is good, you see en- enrollment go up. You get way more alumni donations. It's good for the school. They wouldn't continue to do it um, because some of these schools lose money. They wouldn't continue to do it. You wouldn't see so many schools chomping at the bit to get some of this money if it wasn't proven time and time again to be a, a solid investment for schools. Alabama treats the Alabama football team like life and death in part because when Alabama football is really good, as it has been under Nick Saban, out-of-state enrollment goes up big time because people want to show up as part of that. It's a shitty way to pick a school, but you know sometimes it helps. And when out-of-state enrollment goes up, that means tuition goes up because out-of-state people pay 4x more for tuition every year than the in-state people do. So that's an easy way to make money. And yet the people who are making Alabama football good, as great as Nick Saban is and all of his 97 assistant coaches are, it's the five-star recruits that he puts on the field at every single position too deep that make Alabama football the cream of the crop in in the entire sport. And it's the one that makes them millions and millions and millions, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars. And yet those guys are only getting, you know, sleeping pods in the locker room. Just pay the fuckers. <laughs> $10 an hour and then let them make money off of their name and likeness so at least they can put a roof over their head outside of your parameters at least they have you know at least they have a, a decent wage for a job that is much more difficult to do than going out and for $40,000 a year stocking shelves at the Walmart on you know 50 hours a week and I guess that like the other thing is that you know one argument that often happens here is like you know, NCA scholarships are tax exempt, so like students don't have to pay taxes. So they don't have any money. What is there to pay taxes on? Well, here's what I would say: um, the case against what you're saying to pay them like an hourly wage or whatever okay. is that what do you like? You still have to make these kids. Um, like you still have to tax them in some way. Like, would they then be employees? Would their scholarships then be taxed? Basically, why can't you just oh, for the make sake of grant? I was going to say, like, for the sake of this argument, just, like, make it a grant or make it um, or even, like, put in another tax exemption for it. Like, if we're clearly we're cool with legislating stuff. Right. Like, just make another tax exemption for it. Uh, This is not like if we're legislating this, why wouldn't we legislate that? It has been it has been thrown to me that the California bill doesn't actually expect to change anything. All it's trying to do is to kill the NCAA. That is a very stu- – it, it, it's, it's the correct angle, right? You, 
in order for this all to go away, well, I, I think that there's a real chance the that final boss. That's why this it's is not happening. Gonna, I think it's I think it's a good supposition that 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 is in fact the the argument or, or why this bill is happening in California. But man, like the NCAA, all they've been doing is stockpiling money to pay for lawyers. <laughs> like yeah. this is going to be basically you're going in. This is one hell of a final boss, and yeah. I sure hope. That you know the state of California in this example wins, but Jesus Christ, like you have to kill the NCAA because the NCAA will never, ever, ever give up amateurism, and they won't bend. They won't even bend on it because that would take money out of their pocket. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, let's, uh, Karis Levert. Uh, what were your thoughts on he's this very, extension as a whole? I think he's. I think he's very good, and I think that next year with uh, Kevin Kevin Durant out supposedly for the entire season he is going to look much much better than the money he's getting and uh um i can understand after the injury that he suffered last year why he might want to get some guaranteed cash in his pocket um but uh this is a absolutely fantastic deal for the brooklyn nets and uh i would venture to say that the nets will be competing for an nba championship with carousel vert as their third best player um over the course of this deal yeah i would agree um this deal won't start until 2020 2021 so this year he's still making what something like four million five million four million um, yeah I think. his uh, his cap hit is oh jesus christ he gets seven million in yearly ken no this can't be right it's base right. salary of 2.6 million that's possible he went 20th in the draft before the cap spike yeah, um, he has a $2.6 so yeah. million dollar deal. Yeah, I believe that. Um, yeah, I think he's, it's... He'll, he'll make $7.5 million in the first four years of his career, and he'll make 52 over the next uh, for the three that follow it. So, again, understandable to a degree, given the context, why he would just take, take the lump sum and not, you know, quote-unquote, bet on himself. Yeah, this is a great deal. Uh, for the Nets, uh, I understand why Karras took it. He also gets to free agency a little bit earlier, which has value. Um, my bet He'll be is that this is going to be seen as one of the best contracts in the NBA, as long as Agreed. he stays healthy. Uh, this will be we're, seen. We're as, both we're both big Karras fans, though. Yeah, like honestly, I wasn't a huge Karras fan up until this year. Like I thought that people were putting the cart ahead of the horse a little bit, but like I, I think he actually did that make that leap this year. He's really, really good. Uh, he's really, big, really good. Big Karis guy, Dieter Kurtenbach. Um, remember, <laughs> big Karis guy. Uh, Eric Gordon also got a contract extension. His numbers are a, a, a four-year extension. Uh, what what is the number here? I believe it was. I got four seventy-five. Four seventy-five. Yeah, four seventy-five point six. Um, sixteen point nine million in the first deal. First year. Uh, 18.2 in 2021, 22, uh, 19.6 in 2022-23. And then the fourth year is non-guaranteed at 20.9. So this is a uh, this is a very good deal for the Rockets, I think. Eric Gordon, uh, in my opinion, has been one of the most underrated players in the league over the course of the Agree last trying to throw like a yearly number on it probably the last two years he's been one of the most underrated players in the league couldn't couldn't agree more um and you also take into account that they have two supermax guys and russell westbrook and james harden and they're not coming off the books anytime soon um 
you had the bird rights on them. You got it. You have to take advantage and uh, getting them in. Um, getting him in now makes a lot of sense uh especially with clint capella you don't know if he's going to be the long-term option there or not he, he's getting paid through 2022 um non-guaranteed 2023 for gordon i i, I think it's a, a smart move by by more you keep the core together you give it another run you might have some flexibility down the line but ultimately you're going to ride or die with uh your three best players being westbrook harden and gordon and um so you might as well make sure that you get a couple bites at the apple yeah, plus P.J. Tucker and Clint Capella. Uh, both of those guys are certainly starter caliber players in the league. Um, yeah, Eric Gordon's really good. He's a really, really good basketball player. He has been since he got to Houston, um, particularly the last two years. I think he's just been absolutely underrated. I think he's a really underrated defender as well. Um, he's not just like this offensive gunner who knocks down threes at like a high volume. Uh, he is legitimately like actually a useful defender because he's like pretty strong and stout for his size yes, uh yeah no I, I like this a lot i think this is a home run for the there rockets was, there was because, no alternative well the, the, rockets, the thing fair. is that like it really does actually help his trade value too i think this is a good deal for him to be right. on um yeah and I'll, I'll be interested to see if they can get anything done with pj tucker pj's number the problem is that pj's number is just lower than what eric's is so at 7.9 in 2020 yeah like i actually don't know if you can really get that done uh with like a number and he was signed using the mid-level exception yeah like you i mean like i think that you'd almost be better like what his his number is i'm just like doing quick math in my head he's at seven nine his number is uh, only 2.5 partially it's a partially guaranteed deal as well so well i don't really well, I'm I mean, saying if, if they were going to try and extend P.J. Tucker. Um, I know. It's 79 times 1.25. He's 34 years old. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the other problem. P.J. is a little bit older. Uh, I mean, like, could you extend P.J. Tucker for two years as opposed to four? Um, I think there's, like, a reasonable argument to be made for that. P.J.'s number is, like, 9.9, basically. Uh, and I think okay. he could get a deal that starts – at a higher number than that next year. So I, I don't know that there's really even a com. Maybe, maybe he'd be willing to take that just to like lock in money, but yeah, it's not, it's know. not as if he was making big bucks beforehand. So he might, he might want the Trevor Ariza, you know, give me $20 Balloon million dollars for yeah. one year thing. Yeah. Like Paul Millsap was not making like Paul Millsap was different. Cause Paul Millsap got the big deal um, from Utah and then got a deal in Atlanta. But like, uh, Millsap got that three-year, ninety million dollar deal where he's making like thirty million a year. I don't think the Tucker is going to get that from anybody. But like, if you told me nope. PJ Tucker got an offer for like two thirty versus what the Rockets could extend him at at like three thirty, I mean, it's not impossible. I don't think it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because again, it also comes into the balance of do the rockets work <laughs> you know do yeah. we want to make sure that this thing sticks around i don't think that any any team is going to get better by moving on from pj tucker but you know you you, you are operating with uh, an extremely volatile situation it hasn't exactly upgraded in terms of volatility in houston with going from chris paul to russell westbrook just different sides of a coin um so yeah i, I I don't know if Maury's even there long term. Uh, you got Tillman Fertitta going out and, and spouting his uh, Fertittaisms or Tillmanisms uh, on TV the last couple of days on state media. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree. You get Eric Gordon in there. You can move Eric Gordon on the price that you got him at uh, without a problem, in my opinion. I think that that's a very movable contract, as you mentioned. Uh, I don't know if, if P.J. Tucker, if you sign him to a fair market deal, if he's as movable, um, unless unless it's a short extension, in which case, what are we really talking about? Yeah, uh, I actually think there is value to getting P.J. on a shorter extension. Oh, I could. love P.J. Tucker. I'm, I'm a P.J. Yeah. Tucker stand, but like, at the same time, you got a 34-year-old dude who operates well in this system, and I think in a lot of systems he would operate well, but not all systems, whereas Eric Gordon can play for any team in the NBA. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, you want to talk about empty gym season, so I will give you the floor. That'll be the last thing I just love about. empty gym season. Yeah, I, I, by, I just by the way, by empty empty gym season, Dieter means uh, highlights of players working out in the yes. summer. Some of them aren't empty mm. gyms. Some of them is like the Rico Hines run at UCLA here, where get like ten NBA players in the gym working out. Uh, there are runs like that all over the country. Like I think Brickley has yeah. one. Like there are plenty plenty of trainers have runs like this. Um, but. And I'm, for, and I'm for, listen, I'm for those kind of runs. What I am against when it comes to empty gym season, and it is a, a bit of a misnomer and it's overarching title is ba- it's basically a Rorschach test for people on the internet to project whatever it is they feel about a player out into the world because the guy is making shots in an empty gym or in a pickup basketball game where no one's exactly locking it down. And, um, I just I just love it so very much because so rarely do you get people telling on themselves so frequently over so little. And uh, I just I just hope empty gym season never ends and that guys continue to play for the love of the fame because uh, it, it's just absolutely fantastic. And uh, and it, it all looks so very stupid once the games actually start, which is coming up here. Well, highlight video season like summer highlight video season you get it way worse than the nba because you got it you got to handle with all these prospects and stuff and now it's just instagram highlights yeah i mean and like i know a lot of the trainers so like i i it's respectful to make fun of the work that they do i'm not making fun of i'm not no 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 i know the fact that people go james harden's gonna drop 50 points a game this year like who's you know james harden's working on this one-footed step back jump shot it looks pretty cool i totally understand he's elevating his game he's one of the most brilliant scorers we've ever seen but this notion of like who's gonna stop him this year it's like i don't know his teammates the month of may like the same shit like he has a he has a little bit of a different shot this year i don't think that that's somehow going to change the overall narrative on James Harden or like Carl Anthony Towns has been working well, a like lot he, on his handles. But, but here's an or, example yeah, that I'll Andrew give you. Andrew Wiggins, other. king of empty gym season. I'll, I'll give you an example the other way though on that. Like last year I went to UCLA's open gym and hung out right. for a few days and uh, got to see these guys and their runs and everything. And yeah. Pascal Siakam was fucking murdering people. Like I've told this story on the podcast before, but like yeah. Yeah. Pascal was in there like destroying people. And it was very clear that he'd made like an actual tangible leap in but terms of he was of, destroying like, people. And it wasn't, and you were there for large swaths of time at not 30 seconds on, on Instagram. Right. <laughs> right. Like a lot of these highlight videos are very edited, obviously. And uh, it gives fan like, look, like part of the reason that I love covering the draft is hope. Like I, I love the idea of giving people hope. 
right? I love the idea I, of... I, I covered college football recruiting for years. I peddled Hope. Hope is a dramatically overrated drug. It's, But, like, it's it's not, though. I, I really don't think it is because it just makes people happy. Um, in terms of, like, performance, maybe it's overrated. Like, in terms of the way that, like, these things end up actually happening and projecting things. Yeah, maybe it's overrated. But, like, I don't think there's harm in giving fans in general hope. Um yeah, I, that's like, not our job. I'm not. I, I have no problem. Yeah, I have no like, problem with. The, I have no problem with the players doing it. What I have the problem with is people trying to make or try pushing opinions that they actually hold dear, like changing their minds on players based right. on thirty second Instagram videos. Like, like you that, shouldn't do that. Like you, you absolutely <laughs> should not do that. I'm not. And yet, so many do. And so many do. And it looks you look silly whenever you do that. Having said that. Get hopeful. This is the time of year for hope. It's the, it's the time of year for Kings fans to get excited about like making the playoffs next no, year. No, like legitimately, I'm in on the Kings. Yeah, like so am I. This is the time of year for Knicks fans to be like, hey, we're going to make a leap. We're going to win 30 games, 35 games or something like that. Um, Man, I don't you really, think that's, you're really not distilling this hope, are you? I don't think that's going to happen. But like, why would you not? Like, what is the point in rooting for a team? Like, if you're not trying to derive happiness out of it. Oh, like, I, I, you didn't need to finish the second half of that sentence. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, like, I'm, like, I root for Essendon in the Australian Football League. And Essendon yes. just decided to make... So the succession plans in college football that have been, like, the rage, and many AFL, AFL teams have done it before, like, uh, you know, Mick Malthouse going to Nathan Buckley. Essendon is going to have its current coach coach for a year. And then hand it off to an assistant coach that is currently with the team, basically. Uh, it's going to okay. go from John Worsfold to Ben Rutten. Most of the time, mm-hmm. whenever these situations happen, though, it's because the coach is like a legend, right? Like, for a while, Jim Beheim's coach in waiting was Mike Hopkins. Or, um, like, it's like a situation you would put in for Mike Shashevsky or for Steve Spurrier or, um, what, was Will Definitely. Muschamp... Was Muschamp's oh, no, Mac Brown that, guy? Bowden. Yeah, uh, Jimbo Fisher with uh, Bobby Bowden, right? Muschamp's guy, right? Before he took Florida. Essendon's yep. yep. um, move is that Worsfold's like actually kind of a bad coach, and you're doing this. Uh, he has won 12 games three straight years. Uh, their percentage in terms of Contextualize like... that. So they've won 12 out of 22 games each of the last three years. Uh their yeah, points yeah. against versus points for uh, that number has hit its nadir this year. It's at like 95. It was, I don't know what the number was after the playoff or after the final, but like it was worse than 95. It's probably like 94, 93. Um, mm-hmm. He's a bad football coach and they're keeping him for reasons beyond comprehension. And I tweeted yesterday, my dissatisfaction with the decision. I uh, I, I'm not happy with it, but at the same time, He's got a, it's the off season. And once the, uh, is this hope? Is this what you're trying to, no, but trying here, to swing this there. into this being I'm, hope? It sounds yes, really I'm, depressing. I'm getting there because by the time March rolls around next year, I'm going to be hopeful at the end of the day. Anyway, like I'm frustrated. I think this is a fucking dumbass decision that is only going to create a situation where they spin the wheels for another year and don't compete for a grand final and don't compete for a premiership. But I, by the time March rolls around next year, I'm going to be like, Hey, this team has made finals two the last three years. They have good players. They have a bunch of all Australians that have been there in the past. We're going to be fine. Like 
I don't think, and it's going to be because I see these guys work out in the offseason. It's going to be because they make moves, you know, on the trade market and uh, in free agency. Like, I, I'm going to be back in very quickly in March. So I just, anytime that there is something with the distillation of hope and stuff like that, uh, I am someone who's capable of looking at things from a very... Uh, analytical point of view and saying like okay this isn't gonna work but i'm also someone that's not gonna like fucking kill people's hopes either you know what i mean like that's just not um like I, like for instance like i'm writing this big project right now and one of the things that i wrote about yesterday was um i wrote about amari spellman right um mm-hmm. i i think amari spellman's bad i have never been a fan i had him at like 55 on my pre-draft board he ballooned up to like 300 pounds this year in the nba like i, I don't think he's good basically having said that like you know what i'm not gonna sit here and demolish the guys uh you know i and i wrote all that too like i wrote like i've not been a fan of him for a long time but you know what if he can do this if he can do that this is how uh he gets to be an nba player yeah i'm into destroying hope (laughs) i want I, i just you know i get it i get that um, I, I, I'm always for looking at things from a discerning point of view, but I just, you know, I want to, I'm, I'm trying to live more positively now, Dieter. I, I don't, I'm, I'm a newly married man. I want to live a positive life where my wife does not come home to me, uh, annoyed and frustrated at the world. I'm not annoyed and frustrated at the world. I just don't, I just, I, I think that all of this hope is, is wishful thinking nonsense. <laughs> It's so funny. Let's be. It's, let's just be fucking realists about some of this shit. Fair. <laughs> and, and I guess that, like, I have a uh, very, very negative point of view on certain things in, in life too. Just in general. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't so, even know who you are anymore. What the hell's going I, on? Here? I try with sports. I try and be positive. I do. Like, I try and look at things from a positive. Essendon's fucking falling apart, and you're like, I think it's going to be okay, guys. It's not great. It's it's bad. But I'm just. I'm at the point now with sports, particularly there are other things in my life where I will not be like that with, but with sports, particularly I am at the point now where I like, I want to look at things from a very analytical point of view, break down the minute details on why things have failed if they fail, but I don't want to like demolish things. Then again, like you're talking about like someone who just wrote uh, about why the Knicks free agency was like a disaster, um, like a month and a half ago. There are so many fucking incredible, amazing, never before seen things happening in sports every day. I don't need to blow smoke up people's asses so that they feel better about a team that they've emotionally attached to as a parasite. I don't have to pretend as if that team isn't shit if they are shit. Yeah. I don't think it's even like pretending that they're You control your own happiness, people. You don't have to root for this shit. You, You can be a fan of a team and not be all in. You can take you can take some time off. You can get a little bit of separation. You can go. You can date some other people if you want. You know why? Because none of this shit matters. This is but all just sports, a weird entertainment game. But like, you're not about to go date other people when it comes to the Bears. You know what I mean? I've never been a Bears fan. Yeah, it's fair. You, you're agnostic when it comes to this. That's stuff. my point. I've been football agnostic my entire life, and it has been extremely. And helpful. like, you're not like a wild Blackhawks fan. You're not like a. No, I used to be a crazy Blackhawks fan. Then you know what happened? I moved out of Chicago, and guess what? You just kind of stop caring. 
Yeah, the entire time. Like, I'm a, I'm a no huge new... Chicago White Sox fan. I love the Chicago White Sox. I've watched three White Sox games this year. Yeah, it's tough. I watch a shit ton of sports, but you know what I like watching? I like watching teams that actually do it right. Just like I don't like watching bad movies because I pick some random director can based I, on uh, the fact. Can, can I shout Just out a it. really bad movie that I watched? Yeah. Well, who 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 are who are the who's the Oakland Raiders of movies right now? Uh, oh God, I watched a movie called Night Hunter with uh, Henry Cavill. I haven't even I have not even heard of this. It has Henry Cavill, Ben Kingsley, Stanley Tucci, uh, Alexandra Daddario. Like, oh, this has, really, this really ruins my Stanley Tucci theory. Nathan Fillion is in it. Like, it's actually like kind of a loaded cast. It, it is a dumpster fire because Man. and it's like shot really well. Like the movie looks gorgeous. Yeah. And you can see, like, there are little parts of dialogue where you can see, like, you know what? I see why Henry Cavill accepted this, but they badly needed to hire an editor who knew what he was doing. And they badly needed to get some different shots of uh, intakes of what was happening because uh, it's very clear that there was a lot of story that was lost in translation in terms of pacing and in terms of uh, the editorial work. Night Hunter, badly coached. Night Hunter badly coached. Yeah, it was, it's like this movie where they're trying to catch like a serial killer. Henry Cavill's like this. Um, I was getting the vibe based on the actors. Yeah, Henry Cavill's trying to catch a serial killer. Um, Does Henry Cavill use an American accent in this movie? Or? So it is an American accent. The first. He was really good in Mission Impossible. Oh, he's amazing in Mission Impossible. I am like, I am in on Henry Cavill for the next like three years or so. Um, maybe at least until this new Netflix series comes out. Um, I am in on Henry Cavill from 2018 through 2020, just based off of Mission Impossible. He is exceptional in Mission Impossible. It's a good movie. I like that movie a lot. Yeah, so did I. Like, I thought that that movie is absolutely great. Uh, Night Hunter, though, was a, a strong miss. We will call it a strong, strong miss. So I, I've been writing some fairly critical things about Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in my actual job. And, you know, part of it, it, it everyone. I'm not saying I'm, not to write critical things either, by the way. No, like, no, no. I'm write just critical saying, things, please. I write critical things. But what things I'm saying time. is uh, most people, it's like, oh, you know, it, people want to get upset because, oh, you, you took a shot at, at my favorite team. And I've emotionally outsourced my uh, I've outsourced my emotions to to this squad because that's easier than dealing with my own issues. But. Um, I, I do like, I, I was told this, I probably have told this story before on the podcast. I, I like, there was just this like magic moment in the press box at Hard Rock Stadium, probably four names ago when Juventus was playing somebody, uh, in an international friendly in Miami and I'm there covering it. I was working for the Sun Sentinel in, in, in Fort Lauderdale at the time. And I'm sitting next to a guy who covers Juventus and he wasn't doing anything except smoking, which I thought was fucking hilarious because we're in a press box. Um, and like never seen it before in my life. And like no one had the heart to tell him anything, uh, mainly because it was the worst run event I've ever been to in my life. But um, like including some like, Italian you know, dude just smoking. Love it. Just smoking cigarettes and like marginally took notes and kind of texted every now and again. And like 60th minute, I go like, are you not writing like you're smoking? It seems like you're a fan. And he goes, oh, no, no, I, I, I write here. And he, like, pulls out a newspaper and, like, there's a picture and all this stuff. Like, he was clearly, like, a big deal. And he goes, like, but I like to take in the entire performance before I write. And I go, oh, that's cool. And he goes, like, you would never start writing a review for a movie in the middle of the movie. And I go, oh, shit. He's fucking figured the game out. Like, we're not fucking, at least in my job as a columnist, I'm not 
I'm certainly not some like breaking news guy or this and that. I'm a critic. And people don't ever get up in arms about like no one ever fucking emailed Roger Ebert being like, I can't believe you didn't like this movie. That's my favorite director. Um, and yet every day we fucking get this shit in sports as if it's not just being a critic. And what I like watching is sport being played at its highest level, intellectually, Dude, physically, all that shit. I think you're 100% wrong on critics not getting or getting okay. a bunch of hate for having movie takes. Maybe I have not been in the the actual critic game at any juncture. Like I, the, I'm all I'm all ears on examples. Uh, so like the Last Jedi, for instance, is like a good is like kind of the recent example of a fan base like getting super annoyed about the fact that a like a lot of critics really liked it and like there were talks that like this is one of the best movies in like the star wars canon um yeah. like a lot of fans hated the last jedi and like we're very very strongly uh you're talking willing about to reach out reach out to critics uh, no they're they're fans they are not they're they're fans much in the same way that people are fans of sports uh they are fans of the There's star no wars canon in sports that they're holding like that you know that these things are holding up like star wars is kind of some next level shit yeah so like here i guess that my thing would be isn't like the cowboys history isn't that essentially similar to what the past of star wars canon is whenever you're a fan of something yeah that's true like is it that's isn't true. like isn't like the past past performance and seasons basically just like canon yeah no that's exactly what it is i i i, I get a lot of emails every fucking day about from angry people and uh i've never had it once be about like they went off canon i can't believe this oh like whenever i so i i am a strong critic of the movie bohemian rhapsody it is yes i think you are the foremost critic it is an actively bad movie like it is i I saw it and i agree it is genuinely a terrible um the fact that it was nominated for best picture is a travesty like i just watched one best picture last year Green Book, which is also kind of a travesty. Green Book is not as Jeez. big a disaster as Bohemian Rhapsody, but it is nowhere near a best pick. Um, so we're basically just no longer taking the Oscar seriously. Is that what I'm hearing here? Um, we're getting closer to it mattering. I would say it as mattering? the as the uh, voting body of the Oscars continues to become younger and continues to uh, diversify itself, which it has undertaken over the course of the last few years. Uh, in terms of like an actual point of emphasis, uh, the Oscars will start to matter again. We're not at that point yet. Uh, there are like Green Book is the ultimate fifty-five-year-old white guy movie, which is why it won. So yeah, yep, yep. Like there, there is no fifty-five-year-old white guy that's going to be like, "Oh, Green Book, what a terrible movie." It's like this somewhat happy film about like uh, you know inclusion among races and people want to feel especially in this day and age people want to feel like um you know they want to feel like they're doing their part especially people that work in hollywood and especially older white dudes in hollywood want to feel like they're doing their part by uh you know saying that this film that promotes a good message of inclusivity is positive it's a bad movie but that's fine um whatever whatever you guys want to do in hollywood but having said all of this um 
I think that as we start to get more and more people that are younger and uh, more and more people of color in the body that votes for the Oscars, I think that they'll start to matter again. Because I, I do think Oscar vote. How do you get an Oscar vote? That's a good question. I think I would have to like write a screenplay at some point, which I kind of want to do at some point. I do kind of want to write a screenplay. Um, a young Australian like, basketball player. Won't be that. But has to ch- <laughs> trials and tribulations has to find out who he truly is. Won't be that. Um, I've been thinking about that. Like, what would I write a screenplay about? I don't really know. Don't tell us. I won't tell you. um, Because I I don't want the idea to get stolen. No, I don't really have an idea yet. Um, But yeah, no, like, at some point, that would seem to be pretty cool. And, uh, like, I just watched Rocket Man to get back to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Rocket Man across the board. It's, like, the same idea, right? It's a biopic of Mm -hmm. Elton John, whereas Bohemian Rhapsody is a biopic of Queen. And essentially, Freddie Mercury. Um, Yes. Rocket Man actually takes on... Elton John's issues and discusses them uh, and the performance by Taron Edgerton actually delves deep within Elton John's psyche and tries to, you know, bring that out. Whereas Bohemian Rhapsody, Rami Malek, who I love to death and think is an awesome actor. He's an awesome actor in Mr. Robot. Like yeah. other than doing the incredible performance based stuff that he did with Freddie Mercury, I actually don't think that like the offstage stuff that he's doing with Freddie Mercury actually delves all that deep into, you know, why Freddie Mercury is the way he is. Um, Rocket Man nope. across the board, just in terms of like, you know, craft making the film, editing, uh, all of it is just so much better. And I don't think Rocket Man should be nominated for like a Best Picture award either. I just like it goes to show how That's much the better movie, and no one's like, oh, what a good yeah, movie. Yeah, how much of a joke you know Bohemian Rhapsody was that this was nominated for an Oscar. It's all bad. That would be it'd be like rewatchables, but semi new films. All right, we like, gotta get out of here. Yeah, we gotta get out of here. I'm, 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 I'm conked. Shout out to Manscaped. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. We'll be back uh, at some point next week. Cole and I might try and podcast again at some point. We might this actually week. talk some basketball at, at some juncture. But like, if here's people... the thing. We're at the point in the season. I got where... nothing. I got fucking nothing for you. Where like, it is like empty gym season. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's just, just getting up reps out here. Just, yeah. I don't think we made as many shots. We're going to have to edit the shit out of this. Eh, probably won't edit it that much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like it's September 17th. Probably around like September 20th, 25th, I'll start uh, getting into like over-unders for betting this year because that's important to me as someone who is a gambler. Um, Yeah, Uh, I'll probably try and look into some odds on websites that like I can point you guys to and Mm. Mm. a little bit of black market becoming legalized. eh? Well, like I hit uh, I hit the Luka Doncic 25 to one rookie of the year uh, bet last year, which was glorious for my bank account um but we'll get there at some point where it's still very early in the off season comparatively so until next time we'll talk soon bye